Welcome to Hallel Fellowship, found on the internet at hallel.info. That's H-A-L-L-E-L dot I-N-F-O. We hope you are encouraged by the following recorded Bible study to look deeper into every word that proceeds from the mouth of God and how they were lived out in the life of Yeshua HaMashiach, often called Jesus the Christ. Before I get my spiel going, uh, as as far as the topic, we're focusing uh, a bit more specifically today regarding the uh, regarding the relationships between Adam, Eve, Cain, and God, as opposed to specific details about the creation story or um, or or or, uh, or other type of aspects of it. So, because I'm not covering those aspects specifically. Are there any questions regarding those things you, you, if he has any questions about? Uh, if that's the case, ask now, else I won't be covering them, obviously. I'll be covering the relationships in particular. So if you have any questions or comments or things or, or, or things that don't make sense to you or, or opinions, whatever, share it now if you can. If those are the audience, obviously raise your hand. Those you on Zoom, unmute yourself. And we can go answer them now before I go into my spiel regarding the, uh, the people themselves. One comment here. Go ahead. Hi, Daniel. Larry. Go ahead. Um, Hi, Larry. Good to hear you again. Go ahead. I, um, I, always, I always wondered when they say that Eve was named woman because she was taken out of man. So the relationship of the Hebrew have show that same relationship that they do in English? That's uh, yes. Oh, it's inverted slightly. So man is ish. Woman is isha. Okay. So it's like we have man and woman. The word man is inside the word. For woman, ish is inside the word for isha. So yes, it has the same relationship. I don't know if that's the case for all languages. I haven't checked, but I, I don't know if that's the case for English uh, and all 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 Germanic or old Germanic languages, which English is, is derivative of, um, have that scenario uh, as well as obviously Hebrew does. And I, I have not checked other languages though, so I don't, I don't know. Regarding anything else, any other comments or questions? One more here, Deborah. Um, yeah, and it says, um, and to the woman, he said, I will greatly increase your pains in childbearing. With pain, you'll give birth to children. So yeah, I, um, I remember we'd done something, but I don't have all my notes, but I, that, and, um, you know, that, that part would be great. So the topic regarding, the specific comment is regarding the, the pain for children that that pain having correction, was, the yes, pain, pain having, having them because okay. it is, <laughs> you know, I remember when uh-huh. I was that's what I was petrified. It's also to have about a baby. raising them too. <laughs> I had well, that's what I thought was more, but the pain having them was yeah. Funny. So when I was going to have yeah. the second child, I was excited to have a C-section, but after that, it was longer. <laughs> I'd always been frightened, you know. And then I've heard of some women, yeah. you know, in the Asian culture, they're out in the field working to the very end and just give birth. Quickly, and some women in do. Sli- so yeah, I'm just curious. And, and yeah, you, you have the, there. We've heard those stories over the years about you know giving birth to feel kind of thing. It does happen occasionally. It's not often, obviously. It is more dominant in the slave cultures, which of course Asia has a very high slave population. Um, so that's very common there as well currently. Uh, and of course, so we've heard the stories. I'm not sure how accurate they are about uh, America's slavery past. Also, when giving birth to field. That may or may not be accurate. I don't have any, like, there's no document that I found that 
recorded it kind of thing. It's more of a of, of, of just a, 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 a tale that continues on over time. But anyway, as far as the actual the pain portion of that, we're seeing a little bit about that today regarding the relationship between Eve and God and how that I, I by, by the way, I will not be able to answer certain questions I will have today because I'm gonna bring pose them to you. But some questions are a little more complex that I don't have an answer for, but so maybe some of you might have an answer regarding some of these the, the, these nuances in that that interaction with God and Eve regarding the childbirth, as well as some of the actions with other people uh, in this story as well. But regarding far as why uh, the pain aspect, you will note that uh, as far as I know of, now I, I could be wrong, so I don't know for certain, but all the mammal birthing species on earth um, is painful to give birth. As far as I, so I've, I've read or have been told or have found, it struggles for mammals. Now, I can't say this is the case for you know, birds or egg laying. I don't know. But I've been told, those, all I've seen thus far is for all mammals, it is a struggle. It's very painful to actually give birth. Yet they still go into heat. They still, for animals or women, of course, obviously have the monthly cycles, still go through that cycle and still desire their husbands. But the process is still the same. And it has been theorized. I say it's a theory. It's not my theory. It's a theory that I heard. I don't think it's right or wrong. It just is that the reason all species, all female species have this problem is because she was the mother of all living and, and that, that Adam had assigned that, that, that to her. Therefore, all living creatures have the same uh, end result, the same correction, the same, the same punishment, if you, if, if, if you, if you will, regard that was God gave to her, gave to all species. And you say, well, that's not fair. Well, that may not be true. I can't argue what is or isn't fair. I can say that that's what it appears to be. And so if that's the case, God appears to have applied this correction or this punishment, if you, if you will, or this, um, this condemnation, this respect, to have, handle or apply to all, at least appears, all the mammal giving, all mammal birthing species, which includes obviously whales and such. But I don't know that's the case for the egg laying. I, I can't say for that, for that species. I don't know. Maybe somebody else might know that information. I, I've never paid a lot of attention to, to birds and such uh, giving birth to eggs. Anyway, we got a two so either way, it appears God played, played, applied it across the board. We got two hands up. Uh, Tammy first. Yeah, Deborah, ahead, Tammy. maybe to your point, um, it's more natural to give birth in a more standing position. But in Western culture, at least, we have this idea that women need to lay down. So the reason maybe that yeah, those Asian women have an easier time giving birth is because they're standing up. Whereas in Western okay. cultures, in the modern day, we make women lay down and then wonder why they struggle more to give birth. So um, Perianne might be able to speak to that even more than me. But. Birthing stools. Here's Perianne. I agree that, that the uh, position does make a, a major difference. But I have um, read a study, I think Skip Moen might have been the author of the Deeper Word Study, and that the childbearing is not translated accurately, is actually child-rearing, and that mm. you will struggle with raising the children more than giving birth. So I think it's been perpetuated that we all think, you know, having a baby is so painful, but it, it isn't. For everyone, you can read some of the midwifery books, and it's completely a different story. I think fear plays a big part in it. So once you have the fear of the event, it will 
um, color your experience too. So anyway, uh, it's more relevant to child rearing or raising than childbearing. Mm -hmm. That could be. That's an interesting point. I had not considered that one. Any comments or questions regarding the, the, our, our portion thus far? One more here. We got Anne. Go ahead, Anne. Um, I might be off a little bit by asking a Noah question at this point, but uh, since Noah at Lamech, Lamech came up, I wondered if Lamech was one of the ones that drowned <laughs> in, uh, in the big flood. But he wasn't, he, it, his, his number of years was over 900, and they just talk about Noah at 500 years old. Um, maybe right. Um, there is there's a few genealogy like lists out for for that. I don't know if I have one on my book or not. I'll double check real quick. Let's see here. It, I'm not seeing one yet. It gives a, a rough death. Oh, here it is. So Lemek, Lemek would have died approximately a couple of years just before the flood. So Lemek says Lemek dies roughly. Now, of course, this is Jewish chronology, so I can't say exactly how accurate it is. And dies roughly at uh, 651 uh, from, from creation, while the flood takes place at 656. Oh, 1650, sorry, 1651 versus 1656. About about four years. He does. He's he apparently dies of old age just prior to the the flood action, or I should say, of old age. He dies. I don't know why. I wasn't there. Um, but he dies prior to the flood by just just a couple of years, or about four, four years or so. Thank you, Daniel. We're all set. All right. Okay. So I have a little whiteboard i went up here so i'll be drawing a little bit later <laughs> but um i'll make do if i, if, if I draw off, off the screen that just holler at me and say you can't see it anyway um okay before i get myself started here so i mentioned before we'll start off focusing more specifically about the relationships between adam and god eve and god and cain and god or as well as with each other uh, as opposed to the the details of creation itself and how it's listed so most of you are aware there's lots of different organizations and publications and videos about creation and how it all is this or that or the other thing. And it, it's, that's, those are fine. Those are great uh, products, uh, good things which you can look up or, or, or research yourself. Bottom line, in my worldview, the, 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 the book of Genesis is not really focused per se about creation specifically. I mean, it's not, really, it's not, it's not trying to give you, for example, uh, all the different varieties and the variations of, of bird species. That's not trying to tell you expl explain how the hollow bone structure works. This is discussing that stuff. It's not a science book in that in that respect. It's not trying to go the the, the great details of God's creation and all the and, and how the nuances work. It's more specifically geared toward the relationship between God and man. That's its primary function. And I say that because that's a lot of what the entire actually virtually like 99% of our entire book is focused on is a relationship between God and man. That's how it's built. It's how it's designed to be. It's intended to be. So that's hence the focus we'll do today. Um, in this instance, so it's, it's nothing wrong with um, that is the whole, you know, God created light and then darkness and later on has sun and moon. And yeah, I honestly, I can't explain those details. Uh, re reality is I have, okay, this, this, this vague concept of, 
without a sun or a moon or light bulbs, some light exists with some source shining on some given object, creating a shadow on the other side of it, making it making it darkness. That's the only comprehension I have between light and darkness without any known source. I mean, we have our own imaginations and such, but those aren't really the primary objective in this creation story. They are elements, but not the primary objective. You will note that the vast majority of the creation story, as it, as it pro- progresses through the multiple days, obviously it, conclu- it goes into animals, it goes into uh, how animals are supposed to, sur- supposed to live, thrive, grow, some are in the water, some are in, in the birds, some are in the land, and of course it goes into man, being the, of course, the pinnacle or the objective of, of the creation itself, which is what we're going to focus our attention on. You will note that we, as you go through the animal kingdom world, oh, there. As you go to the animal kingdom world, uh, the vast majority, there are distinct exceptions, the vast majority of animals can figure out on, on their own life, the way that they live on their own purpose of life. Uh, for example, uh, it becomes even mammals, to use that, I used it, the citation earlier. Uh, if you have animals like dogs, for example, they give birth to puppies. Okay, puppies grow. Now, even if the mother assuming the nursing process, the dogs have nutrition. The mother was not around. A dog packed around to teach it. The dog's still going to be, for the most part, a dog. It's not going to sit there and say, well, I don't have a purpose in life as a puppy, as I grow up. I'm not going to become a bird. It doesn't do that. It, it, it is a dog as a dog. It remains a dog. It doesn't, doesn't change its purpose in life. As it grows, it's like, well, I like, you know, Smelling that dog's your end. <laughs> I like, you know, licking up, licking whatever that is. I shouldn't be licking because the owner says, stop licking that because it's really gross. gross. Things like that happen, right? We have these, the, these animals are animals. They have their direction and purpose in life. They don't comprehend or sorry, they don't try to comprehend greater things than around them. Uh, I say that in, in a loose term. So, for example, dogs, let's say they have to comprehend or say, well, if I wanted to explore the moon, how would I get there? Uh, how, what kind of propulsion would I need? What kind of elevation? The moon's very high. How do I catch it? Was they don't discuss those type of things as far as we comprehend, as far as our understanding. They don't try to elaborate or try to figure out beyond themselves. For example, how do I manufacture glass to make a window? Well, dogs don't really focus on manufacturing glass, making windows. They see this window, they run into it because they think it's open or closed, and they oops, it's a window. That's about the extent of which the comprehension. The point being that. Human is unique in that not only do we exist, we contemplate things well outside of ourselves, well beyond our reach. I say unique, obviously, I'm not in the mind of, of, of animals. The point is, as far as observation and, and behavior, it appears animals do not try to comprehend, at least excessively, outside of themselves or their surroundings or their immediate world. They may comprehend their neighborhood, uh, the weather, food, that kind of thing, but not necessarily. Uh, the opposite of the globe. Uh, what's going on in you know Bangladesh? They're not going to consider that that's, unless they live there. They would they would they would not be part of their part of their life. But us as men, we do comprehend. We do care. We do curious. What is going on up there? What what are what is the what is what is our creation? Our our God designed us to think outside of our own bodies. Our outside of our own immediate world view of just eat sleep poop eat sleep poop. We go beyond that. Babies don't, but for the most part, the rest of us do. The point being that man is not designed like the rest of his creation. So we have to ask ourselves, why? Why didn't he just make us like animals? What's wrong with animals? They seem to do okay. Yeah, they eat each other sometimes, but you know, run faster. You'll be fine. 
right? And the idea is what, what's so important that we, God made us thinking outside? Because bottom line, we're not pre-programmed to consider just our surroundings. We are pre-programmed to look outside of our surroundings and look for purpose, a reason to do something. Like, I want this, therefore I'm going to go pursue that method, that route to get the this that I'm after, right? For example, Rivka, if you wanted to sew something, stitching doll clothing, well, how do I do that? I need the materials and fabric and parts. I need a sew, well, maybe I need a sewing machine, but the tools to do it. You think, I, what tools do I need to make this happen? And therefore, you get the tools or supply them or find them and then make it happen, right? That's the idea. You think long-term, how do I build this structure? How to create this thing? You have a purpose behind what you're trying to do. Because we think beyond ourselves, which is good. Uh, it, we are fairly unique in this capacity. Uh, and it's not an accident uh, that God, not, it's, a, it's, a, it's an accident. It's not, um, I have the right word for it. But anyway, it'll come to me later. But anyway, so God had selected or put his, quote, day of rest directly after finishing creation of man. But why is that? The animals need rest? And I was like, oh, wow, that was a hard week's work. I'm going to take my kickback, get my, get my, my, my slippers on uh, in, in, in my horseshoe size, and uh, you know, drink some, what do horses drink? What? Water? I might like some beer too. I don't know. Drink a beer. <laughs> Ask a horse. But someone could drink a lot of stuff. But they're they are like, wow, it's Shabbat, it's Saturday, and kick back, I'll read a book. That's not their thing, right? As far as animal world is concerned, they don't really have, per se, days of rest we think of. For example, alligators and sharks and lions and tigers and bears, oh my, they don't stop and say, well, it's Shabbat, therefore, the deer that's walking by or the fish over there you know what? Today's your day off. I won't go hungry. I'll go hungry today and give you a day of rest. That's not in their thinking. They're saying, I'm hungry. I think I can catch you. Run and go get it. That's their process. So they don't have the days of rest that we do. So therefore, days of rest was not created for them, created for us. We are the ones supposed to rest. We are the unique character, the, the oddball in the story. We're the one that doesn't actually, quote, belong in the sequence of events. One of these things doesn't match the rest of them, and that's us. We don't match the rest of it. Plants don't take days of rest. Rains don't take days of rest. The sun doesn't take a day of rest, nor does the moon. The stars don't rest on Saturdays. Nothing rests except man. At least that's the idea. So God gave us this example immediately following creation because it's for us. We're the unique character. We're the oddball. We're the one that's supposed to pay attention to it. The animals and the trees and plants don't. Neither does the light nor darkness. It does not pay attention to, to Shabbats, days of rest, anything else. We do. So in this creation that God did, he made us this unique character, this oddball, this strange one. He did a test. He gave it a test. Well, us, Adam and Eve initially, of course, but we all have this test in our own ways. I'll explain later. He put inside this, this garden space these two trees. We discussed these two trees over the years many, many times, all different theories, combinations of stories and, 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 and discussion matters. And we've asked this question in the past many times. I'll bring it up again because that's part of what our discussion is for today. Is that, is God trying to test the animals when he put the tree of knowledge of good and bad in the garden? They say the animals, you shouldn't eat this tree 
That includes the insects, the calling moth. I don't say the tree was apple, but who knows? Or bees don't pollinate it, don't touch. He didn't tell anything about the insects, the bugs, uh, the, the, the dinosaurs, or try chomping on the top. No, no, you can't eat that one. Eat the one next to it. None of that was applied. Now, I'm not saying they did or didn't eat it. doesn't matter. The point is, he didn't tell them not to eat it. But he did tell to man. Now, and he told the animals not to eat it. I assume, it's a big assumption, they would have comprehended the words coming out of his mouth because, of course, he's God. But they probably, also a big assumption, may have obeyed it, but I don't know. On the other hand, man doesn't. We aren't like the animals, and so much so that we'd say, okay, God, we believe you, until God turns his back. Hey, let's go off and play and do the opposite of what he said, our rebellious streak, streak that's inside of us. I realize animals have rebellious streaks too. Those of you who are cat owners are fully aware of that. But the general idea that man is supposed to be far more rebellious than those, those, those creatures. Uh, in the case of, of this instance, we ask ourselves, okay, God, you know full well that man is not like the animals over here and that we are naturally inquisitive, curious, think for ourselves, rebellious. That's what he made us. Mind you, I see he made us that way because each emotion we have, every, 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 every uh, 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 thought process that's created with inside of us, God made those. I don't think he didn't. Uh, he made us in his own image, which means we have the ability to obey and disobey. The ability is to rebel and, and follow suit as far as follow what God wants us to do. We have different techniques and abilities inside of us, and we can decide on our own with our reason, whether it's good or bad reasoning, I can't say, we, what we want to do, what our choices happen to be. So this instance, God gave us this test. So, all right, God, one would argue, you set us up to fail, knowing full well that's in our nature. But we'll discuss a little bit as far as it's not so much the failure, it's the nature of the failure that we're focusing our attention upon today. Everybody fails, we get that part. But it's the nature of this fail failure that applies to each of us in our own way, uh, even ever since Adam and Eve, even modern, modern today, the same failure still applies. So we ask ourselves, what does God have by leaving? What is, he, I mean, what is he gaining out of leaving this particular tree inside this garden? Knowing full well it's in our nature to fail, to nature to test, to push the boundaries, to rebel, to go against, because that's honestly, we are much like God. Not say God's rebellious, but what is it, the, the nature is still there. Hence some of the the the, the angels supposedly rebelled. I'm not sure that how that worked necessarily, because I don't know, but becoming demons later on. The point is that it's in our nature to rebel. We can easily do so if we so choose. But I was like, okay, God, why would you put this particular tree inside a space knowing we probably would fail at following your instructions? Well, all I can say, my personal opinion, this is Daniel H.'s opinion, not, not, not some document, is that he did it, and the reason he did it was because the outcome that came from it. Uh, meaning that the outcome, God knows our nature. He already has plans set in place. He knows a story. He knows what's going to likely happen. Is there any chance he didn't comprehend the outcome? That what would likely occur? Mind you, the tree wouldn't have been there if it wasn't truly a test, 
I mean, if God wasn't trying to test us to verify and find out what we're made of, he would never put the tree there to begin with. He left it off. There's a point. But the goal was to test us to find out, okay, where is your loyalty? Where's your trust? What do you believe? That was the objective. Because I say this the objective because that's how the outcome came out. That was the end result. God got that result. Therefore, that was the test's purpose. I have a hard time believing the idea that God would put a test before you and having absolutely no clue what kind of outcome could come from it. He's smarter than that. He's smarter than I am. And I would have figured the outcome out. So I know that much. I know he could figure the outcome out. If that's the case, then this is sort of a test, but not so much for on his behalf, test for our own behalf. Because we needed to know. He already knows what's going on. He already knows what's going to happen. He knows the story. He wrote it. We're the ones who didn't know it. We didn't know the story. We didn't write it. Therefore, we're the ones who are learning. He's teaching us. So in this case, what is the test? What is it? What is it going to accomplish? What is it going to find out for, for us on our behalf? But what's God trying to tell us or show us? Well, we can actually break this down. It's not that complicated, but I have my whiteboard here. We're going to discuss this a little bit. So in this instance, I'll draw up here on my whiteboard. Hope those of you can see it. Great. If you can't see it, I'll be verbally saying the exact same thing. So just listen carefully. Be fine. My whiteboard, I'm going to get two people up here. Hopefully, you can see it. God is on this side. And when I have the other side, uh, the snake. Snake. I'm going to put two columns here. So God's on one side, snake's the other side. All right. This I'm going to draw this or, or go through the sequence. So, in the case of God and the snake. So, in the case of God and the snake, we have instructions. So, God, we have, the, by the way, this, this all this is topic of the trees, with a tree by the very top of it. Yes. Oh, go ahead, Rose. I, I was just going to say that uh, up on uh, Facebook, people put up these little um, three-minute uh, videos of their children, and they'll yeah. put uh, candy in front of them, and they'll, they'll <laughs> tell them, um, I'm going to go in the kitchen and blah, blah, blah. Now, don't touch that candy. And right. there are some children who are very well-behaved, and they will not touch the candy. Other children will touch it and feel it and look right. at it, but Tempted. they won't eat it. Yeah. And then there's right, other right. children who will take that whole thing and shove it in their mouth. They just <laughs> don't even care what somebody can. says. Exactly. So, right. yeah. I, it's the, it's the, I totally the nature of people, right? Right. It's quite fascinating. Yeah, Christ said, and God I, made us. He said, I set before you this day life and death. I would that you would choose right? life. But that's the wonderful but you thing choose. about God is that he gave us a choice. And that's what right. he's trying to find out is what choice are we going to make? Exactly. Now, these choices affect us obviously in the immediate future, but also long-term future. So my chart here, I have a little column chart here going on here. Obviously, if God gave the instruction for this tree, says, don't eat that was his primary or first. Don't eat it. If you hope you can see it, okay. If you can't see it, I apologize. On uh, and then of course on the snake side, snake said what? Eat it. Now we have God telling us don't eat. We have the snake telling us eat. Which one did we follow? Which one did we believe? Well, they both said it, but in the case of God. We rejected it. We 
object. That's two E's and a T. But in the case of the snake, we accepted it. Uh, yes, Isaac. Ah, so Isaac put a question. So a comment. It appears that we followed the one that was, in, that was consistent with, with what we already wanted to do. The snake side, the accept. Uh, Pamela, your hand is up. Go ahead, Pamela. Well, people, people think that they're making their own choice, neither God nor, nor the devil. They think that they are free agents to make their own. I, I tend to agree. People, people are created to make their own choices. It would be um, beyond arguable in a court of law, if you went for God's a God, uh, how can you claim that I did something wrong when the devil made me do it? <laughs> it's all his fault, not mine. And you say, well, you, 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 you could plead that, hey, it wasn't my fault. It was his fault. Therefore, leave me alone. Similar to how Adam kind of the way it's implied, implied that Eve was at fault as opposed to him own taking, taking uh, responsibility. That same principle, it's their fault, not mine. Well, it doesn't work that way. The point is that you, God pointed with Adam, you do have the choice. Adam, you could have said no. And of course, obviously, he didn't. So the question is, we have God saying, don't eat. Of course, initially, Adam and Eve obeyed. And then snake said, eat it. Now, we eventually chose, to, we referred to Adam and Eve, chose to reject God's instruction, but accept the snakes, as Isaac points out, is because it probably was consistent with what we already wanted to do. Now, in this simple task, what say it again? Maybe they thought they were free agents. They would create the free, maybe they thought they were what? Explain. Free, free choice. Oh, free own. choice, right? Without, well, that would be that would be a, a fair, right? In this case, it, the, even though they claimed, obviously, the stake pointed it out to me, these are still choices they made, and they do have the free choice to make. God is the one who placed the, the tree there. The devil didn't do it. God is one instructed, "Don't eat the tree." The devil didn't say that. That's the, it, it the opposite. So the point is. The, the God is the one who's in charge in this whole story. Is it possible or conceivable that God had never heard of, comprehended, or thought a snake existed? Did he think that, the, that this interaction could never have taken place? Is it possible that God would have th thought, wow, I, it was beyond my planning stage in my, my whole process that Eve could be talked to or convinced otherwise? Of course not. He would not have, yeah, exactly. It was the way I put it. He would never have warned them, don't touch it, if there wasn't a risk that something was going to convince them to touch it. He wouldn't have said so. If there was zero risk, he would have bothered. But there was a risk. There was a convince. There was a choice, a possibility was they convinced otherwise. God knew that. They didn't, but God knew. So, this instance, we have these stories where God and the snake, obviously, the snake, of course, represents Satan in the, in the story, but that's the principle behind it. The tempter, the one who, 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 who um, argues against, or uh, the adversary, the one who argues, or accusers, is there a better word for it? So, I have a question for you then. You don't have to answer this, but just think about it. In this story, Faith is basically the principle of trust. If it is, is the ownership, it's a physical, it's a noun principle. That I have trust because trust is actually a verb. So I have trust. If I have faith, that means I've got trust. In this instance, between God and the snake, 
faith is one which you you have the faith in something or in someone, that's the one you were trusting. And this is with Eve and the snake. Though God says, don't eat, you're going to die. Snake says, no, 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 no. He knows you're not going to die, but rather you're going, to, you're going to know good and evil to be like God. Now, is the snake telling the truth? Well, in part, yes. They would know good and evil, and they would be like God in that capacity. That's absolutely true. He's not lying to that capacity. And as far as also the snake says, says God says you will die. Don't touch it or don't eat it. You'll die. You should, you'll surely die. God didn't specify when they would die. This day they would die. Snake saying, oh, no, no, you're not going to die. Well, the best lies in the world are the ones fall for. And so the stake told the whole truth in that perspective. From that perspective, he'd say, yes, you don't die right now, and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. And that's true. You wouldn't die right then, and you would know good and evil like God does. Not that you'll be God, but you'll know good and evil like God. And so the stake actually told the truth. He just left out specific details of that truth. Right, the 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 the, the long term ramifications were not spelled out, and God did not spell out the long term ramifications. And God didn't spell out, oh well, see, you'll you'll eat this, you'll you'll die if you eat it at this time later on. This is how He didn't spell those details out. Right, <laughs> as Isaac put out, well, if, if He told us how long it would take, we'd wait to the last second then eat it. But the point is that as much like people say, I'll 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 go to church, I'll pray to God when I'm on my deathbed, but you never know when you're going to die, right? Yeah, be tomorrow. And the point being that, you, well, go ahead. We have a comment here from Ann. Go ahead. So, whatever day it was, God created the <clears throat> the creeping things on the ground, and it was good. And then here comes the snake, and he's not good. <laughs> right. What happened? <laughs> that's, that's, that's another. <laughs> that's story a great question. Ezekiel, where the angel falls from Lucifer, seen as a Right, 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 right. Hence the whole the, 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 the serpent of old, right? The the, the, the old Lucifer, the the, the the cutting the the father of all lies. Did, well, it's called the father of lies because theoretically speaking, this is the first lie. And I'm I'm not saying it didn't happen. He didn't lie sometime before this. I, I can't say that. I don't know. But this is the first recorded lie that 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 is recorded here in the story. And you know the lie is so so truthful. It's almost hard to distinguish and find the lie in it. The lie in the snake's words is what's not being said. See, the lie isn't what he says, it's what he's not saying. That's where the lie is at. It's the best lie there is. It's the best lie of lie. Yeah, as Lawyer puts it, somebody's it all the time. So, uh, so-and-so hit me. Oh, yeah, that's, that's bad as so-and-so. Of course, you didn't say, why so-and-so hit me? <laughs> but they hit me. It's all their fault. Well, yeah, okay. You could say, as siblings do, yeah, so it's hit me. Therefore, they, the goal is to get the so and so, whoever he is, get punished. I say he could be she too. Uh, get punished. Not willing to disclose the reason why that person hit you. Well, it's because I decked them on the ground and broke their toy. Okay, well now now we have more information, right? It's it's the absence of information, the absence of details that makes lies most believable. In the case in the case of Snake, he did it most believable, and of course we believed it. The question being, we have some. I have some questions for you. So if we have faith, meaning we have trust in something, in this story, God tells us one thing, the snake tells a different thing. Which one do we trust? We're trusting, for some reason, the snake. That's an E, not an F. I misspelled the snake. Sorry about that. We trusted the snake. 
as opposed to God. That's one of our tests. We failed. Now, next question. Now, when you trust something, the idea is if it tells you something because you trust it, they're actually believing that whatever that, that, that trusting is. So, for example, if I say, I trust a police officer, a police officer says, hey, you can't do it. That's against the law. I'm going to trust, I mean, I'm going to believe the police officer is not lying to me. He's actually telling me, yeah, it is against the law. You can't go shoot your best friend. Oh, oh okay. Good to know. That's against the law. I shouldn't do that. This is, it's against the law. I, I'm, I'm believing the words he's saying, as opposed to saying, hold it. Here's the code book. Read it for yourself. And you find out if it's legal to shoot your friend or not. I had to go through pages, pages, page, page. Oh, hey, look, here it is. Thou shalt not kill your friend. Okay. Or whatever it says. <laughs> the point is, that I, I, I'm trusting the officer telling me I'm believing him. He's telling me he's the truth as opposed to find the, in the penal code where it says I'm not supposed to do that. I'm not having to go to the penal code, the greater authority. I'm trusting or believing the officer. So in this case, because we actually had faith or trust in the snake, Therefore, we believed the snake. So, snake actually has, I'll put over here, our, 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 our trust, it also, which is also faith. I'll put trust and faith. Because trust and faith are very, they're very similar. Trust is the verb for, faith is the noun form of the verb trust. That's really what it is. Um, or trusting or to trust something. Anyway, so uh, faith. And also have, of course, I believe it. Belief. Uh, B E L I. Is it I E F? I think it's I E F. Or is it, I can't remember how to spell belief. Anyway. So I, he has my trust slash faith as well as my belief. So we have this scenario that the snake has gained something over God in this story. Now, in Adam and Eve's case, though they initially received the stuff, from, information from God not to follow, he didn't get to retain their trust or faith or their belief. They didn't believe him. So in this case, if I'm believing the snake and not believing God, who do I think is lying to me then? Well, by definition, if it's two people saying the opposites and one I believe, then one I don't believe, then one I think is called, we call it lying. So we're believing instead of trusting God, we think he's a liar. That God is lying to us. Sounds bizarre. Yes, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, Larry first. Oh, uh, this I don't. I was trying not to introduce this because I probably you probably rather not deal with it right now. But the um, <laughs> I, I'm thinking that there's another entity involved in this thing because when they created man, they said, "Let us create man in our image." And there's another there's another entity there. And he says, you know, he's going to have free will, and probably things are going to go really wrong. Are you willing to fix this? So we're asking questions of someone. There's Messiah there. Are you willing to fix this? And the Messiah said, as he said in the Psalms, here am I, let me do your will. I'm here to do your will. So that, that so is again, a theology, go, which so is now fair. We can go ahead and do this. Yeah, that, 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 that could be. We don't have the conversation that may or may not have taken place prior to what's what actually, or actually, we don't have any conversation. What's written here is all we have. So I think we do or project or think or, or argue or understand whether it is the, in my 
personal Daniel Agee's worldview, the strange Mormon philosophy. I think it's strange. I think it's strange because I don't comprehend it. Others may comprehend. I'm not trying to be offensive. Or some other philosophy as far as what takes place in the spirit world. I don't know. Like we can we can we can project an idea, have a concept behind it, but I don't have an answer for it. Um, we don't have evidence. We just have theories and some and, and some songs or so, I put the psalm recording that something may have taken place, some kind of a of of of, of an agreement or something. We don't know. We, we don't know what the story was. All we know is that at some point in time, Messiah shows up partially, or and, and of course he learns to obey God, and then says, "Now I will follow this this route." So we have this this process Messiah goes through. We don't have much evidence for us what he did or didn't do. Uh, that's not recorded, so we, we don't know. But it's fine to 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 use that as a as a better understanding tool as far as what may or may not have been occurring. So in this story, um, which, as I go back to what I was discussing before, we have this story which which the people themselves, they're being Adam and Eve, are choosing that they basically that God, God's lying to us or He lied to us. And if we he think he lied to us, that means we believe the snake's telling us the truth. Truth. So in this conversation, Adam, sorry, that Eve has the snake, we find that the, 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 the concept of trust or faith shifts from God to the snake. The idea of believing goes from God to the snake. The idea of, of truth versus lie goes from truth from God goes truth from the snake. So basically the snake took our trust, our belief, our concept of what is true, what is not true. All the snake took all of that. Well, if snake takes all of those things, what did it successfully do? We call it our allegiance. He took our allegiance. We are going to ally ourselves or agree with the snake. I think I, I, think I spelled allegiance wrong. It doesn't matter. We, we, we are choosing to say this, this is the side, the snake side is what we are saying. This is where we belong. This is where we want to be. This is all what we, what we have. The snake has all these. The snake has all these since God wants those and we didn't give it to him or we took them over the snake. The snake just became our God, didn't it? Our snake became our God. It has our trust, our faith, our belief, the concept of all truth, the concept of allegiance. It is our God. So this conversation seems really simple between Adam, or between Eve and the snake, but it's very profound. The snake became God, a lowercase g, by the way, <laughs> not, 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 not the God, but it became our concept of God, our belief system of God, our trust is inside this snake. Uh, one now, mind you, there's the one thing that's different though. The one thing the snake didn't take was our fear. When Adam and Eve ate the fruit, whatever fruit it was, they realized they were naked, and then they became afraid of God. So the snake took all these things and became a god to them, but the one thing it couldn't take was the fear. Daniel, we got one comment here. Go ahead. What's that comment? Yeah, quick comment, Daniel Alex. Um, I read or heard recently that with a snake, what you see is what you get. There's no covering. And that, I wonder if that factors into why they, Adam and Eve trusted the snake. I mean, you know, he's he got nothing to hide behind. That's a good point. We, yeah, it, it, so this is an interesting concept. It's, 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 it's a worth a, a thought discussion here, a thought exercise. So if I have this concept that 
The snake is a creature, a created thing like myself. I'm a created thing. It's a created thing. Um, now, I know some stuff. Apparently, the snake who can talk knows some stuff too. Now, I don't know if every snake species at the time which God created could all speak. I don't know that. But this one obviously could. Uh, so, this is oh, the donkey spoke too, right? God made that happen. So, obviously, you know, maybe it's not so crazy. I don't know. And they weren't afraid of this the talking snake, or she wasn't. So, the point is that. This, this is a thing which I can touch. I can, it's a physical object. I can feel it. I can touch it. I can pet. I wouldn't pet a snake, but somebody could. Somebody else pet a snake who's more brave than I am. Or maybe it wasn't venomous. It doesn't matter. A snake that, that's, that's not harmful. <laughs> they can touch it. They can, they can interact with it. They can, they can talk to it. They can have a conversation. This is a relatable thing which I can talk to. Now, mind you, the same principle applies to idols. See. People, Gentile nations in general, but people overall, have idols because the idol, I'm pretty, it's not books on idol, pretend it is. It has a little picture of you know, a man. Anyway, pretend that this picture of a man. I, I can see it. It has eyes, it has nose, but I can, I, can, I, can, I can look at it and say, I recognize what this is. I can relate to the, I can touch and feel and pretend this idol, I can talk to it, pretend like it hears me, even though it doesn't, can't actually, it's, it's, it's a drawing. But the point is that I can pretend those things because I can, I can relate to them. God is a spirit. He's not so easily relatable, is he? You can't touch him, you can't sit on his lap, you can't hug him, you can't have a conversation. He doesn't vent to you about the struggles he had the, that, that day about the ant colony war against, ant colony war against there, and so frustrated with all the ants being upset with each other. He doesn't read. He doesn't. He doesn't talk to us about his daily routine of well, the bird over there. We really wanted that bird's nest. Took twig from that bird's nest, and he had to. He had to settle the argument. He doesn't discuss these things with us because he's not relatable in that capacity. He's not a created thing. So what it tells us, Alex is correct in my opinion. This is Daniel's opinion, by the way, regarding this topic, regarding uh, uh, our relatability to the snake, is that. The snake being a created thing was easier for Eve to have a conversation with and relate with and talk to and interact with. Now, we don't have the entire conversation recorded. This could have been a long argument, could have lasted weeks, months, or years. We don't have no idea. Could have lasted seconds. We have no idea. There could have been a, a long discussion about what the snake thought about his opinions on politics. Who knows? <laughs> the point is, the information not recorded doesn't matter. The relevant information that is recorded does matter. So in this instance, she did relate to the snake. It was something that she could believe or trust, and it became a god, just like idols, which record in our Haftor portion, how that worked out. We became that the idol became our god, but we will get to that later. The, the idea is that that was transferred from our real god over to this non-God, the stuff that belongs to the non-God was brought over to our real God. We switched, we swapped places. Except, although we fear snakes, snake bites, we don't fear snakes the same way we fear our God. So the case of this, God recognizes Saul, hey, yeah, where are you guys? You're all hiding. You have these fig leaves, whatever else you cover up because you're naked, yada, yada, yada. We know the story. Adam and Eve still are afraid of God, not the snake. They come over here and say, yeah, I, the snake has all these things. It became a God to me, a small g, it became a God to me, but the snake doesn't have my fear. God has my fear. The real God has my fear. So even though the snake took all these things that God wants, 
it took our trust, it took our foot our faith, it took our belief, it took our truth, it took our allegiance all the way from our real created God. What they say couldn't take was fear. Now, I'm not saying that God, you know, isn't okay with having us fear him, because we should fear God, but that's not his objective in existence. It was not to make us just fear him. And that, that's what I always do just fear God. Well, no. He wants us to trust and have belief in him and, 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 and believe and have truth and, and allegiance to him. He wants those things too. Adam and Eve gave it to somebody else. This applies not just to Adam and Eve, it applies to all of us too, every day of our lives. Who do we believe? Who do we trust? Where does our allegiance lie? On every topic, every story, every scenario, there are no exceptions. These are, these, are, these are universal issues that apply generation to generation, never changes. These snake things, these, the things the snake stole from God by trickery, belong to God. They were always supposed to be there. But we, being humans, gave it away. We gave it from our real God and gave it over to our snake. Or, in modern day terms, our opinion, our belief, our own will, our own choices our own rejection of God, our own rebelliousness. We took them from God and gave it to what we choose to give it to, which is not God's intent. As Rose pointed out correctly in Deuteronomy, Moses, you have two choices before you. Choose life, choose death. It's a choice. Which one do we choose? Choose to keep all of our truth, belief, and, and, and faith and trust and allegiance to God, or give it to the idol, in this case, the snake. Your comment? Oh, so Isaac's pointing out this feel the same argument with, Isaac, with, with science. That's actually a good point, science in general. So in modern day term, that's a great, thank you, Isaac, for putting that out. If I was going to swap these stories out, I would say, okay, snake, in modern day vernacular, that's a great point. The snake, we call it today, I would change colors. We, we would call it, this is, just, this is one major example in the Western world that applies to this. Now, not say the whole globe, the Western world, our city would be, would be our science. S-C-I-E-N-C-E. That's sorry, I mixed my N and my C together. Science would be a good example of our modern day God that we've transferred our trust in, our belief in, our truth, and our allegiance to. There's good science too, don't be wrong, but science in general has kind of taken that place in our modern day world last you know, couple hundred years or so, as opposed to our God. Yes. In in, 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 that, in that respect, yes. So the, the, the principle of science is, is actually just a, a simple philosophy of ask a question, create a test, verify your test, answer or fail your question. That's all science actually is supposed to be. But modern science doesn't run that way. Modern science actually control. So modern science actually runs as control of individuals or people. Science is a, is, is a control factor. 
that's how our science is used. We, it, it's a corrupted version of it. It, it controls here. how our world exists, how we function. I'm not arguing that, hey, you know, you know the science of gravity. Well, yeah, okay, gravity is a law. <laughs> we know how it works. I'm not arguing that that we're putting the science as far as the science out the science outcome. They, they publish studies. This is how what reality is. And this is how you must obey that reality. And that reality contradicts what God's reality actually gave or says that you have, you have, you have applied science. Science is covered, smothered in truth, just like the snake is. It's what it doesn't tell you. It's what it leaves out that it's, is, is the error. That's why it's a good example in this case. Science, science leaves out anything God essentially said that includes archaeological science, which is not really a science per se, but it semi sort of is. And the inexact sciences, which are economy and psychology sciences, which are really bizarre, but they're, they're, they're not exact. Uh, we're not discussing the observable sciences. Like, yeah, I take a thing, I drop it, it hits the ground. Yeah, that's that's a that's observable object. Like I see, I can repeat it. Yeah, does it still do that? Yes, it does. How many times do it? I still drop it and it still hits the ground. That's actually science too. However, it's not the type of science we're referring to. In this case, this science we're referring to is the one that actually controls behavior, because God is not just a God of hey, I'm God and you're not. He's a God of way of life. Different, he gave a us a way of life. Don't eat the tree. Well, there's a difference between science as a tool versus science right. as, as, a, a, as a, basically as a, a religion or a worldview. Which today it's a religion, predominantly a religion. Yeah. I say today, meaning in our Western world, is dominantly religious pr perspective. Yeah. Hence why it is supposedly rejected or got rid of or it killed God. That's why I was talking about like a, when Jeff was talking about materialism or like scientism. There's actually that, that phrase of scientism where basically where people basically worship science. Rather than science simply right. being a tool of testing things, what is right and wrong or whatever is testing yeah. things, it's and when you make that your goes, religion, yeah. basically, the lens by which you see the entire world. Right. And that, that's where, this is this is example which was given, So this, which, is, which is fair. So I wanted to move forward on this because I ate more time than I expected on this story. So in the case, when we did all this, we had this tree, the God, the snake, or slash size, whatever, the, 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 the allegiance moved over. God then did a few corrections, these punishments. Hey, Lauren, would you, would you give me a, a piece of um, a cloth or like a, a paper towel so I can wipe this stuff off so I can dry it up again? I forgot. I should, should have got an eraser. I forgot to get one. I'm going to erase this. I'm going to start to run up here real quick. We regard the three people that, we want, that, that I wanted to discuss. regarding the relationship with God and the snake or slash sin or whatever the god you wish to worship thank you there so let me erase this real quick and put the three names up here which is adam eve and cain so they they made their switch they made their choices but initially adam and eve god says okay you, you made your loyalties known here are your corrections for your loyalty problems so you have adam and Eve first. We'll do these two first. We'll do Cain later. Or, you know, Adam, Hava, whatever you call your name. It doesn't make a difference. Same two people. These are stories. So, in the case of Adam, that's okay, Adam. You changed your loyalty, your belief, your trust, your, 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 your allegiance from me. You switched it from me to your wife. Right? That's what he did. Hey, wife said, uh, did it contradict you? I ate it. You believed your wife over me. Of course, obviously, all we discussed boils down to the snake's discussion, where it actually stemmed from or started from. So in this case, Adam, because you, you, you rejected God and you chose to change your loyalties, you switched to God, to the God that you didn't know before, 
in this case was Eve slash the snake because she was the snake's the parent of, of Eve, so to speak, in this, in this capacity. You will return to dust where you came from and you're going to work. You'll work until, of course, you, 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 see, so you says from dirt you came, dirt you return uh, because you disobeyed God and all the blessings that God comes with just got taken away. So dust and, of course, the garden. Garden is gone. Not like it was taken away, but so he was taken out of it. So that's Adam's correction. He changed his loyalties from what was real, the real God, to what wasn't a God. So you go from the blessings from the real God, what is the blessing of the non-God? The snake eats dust. So what did Adam get? You became dust, right back where you started. So blessing got removed. The case of Eve, she obviously loses loses blessing too. But both, of course, case of the garden, she loses the garden as well. But she has this additional change as far as this whole child, well, as PMA child rearing or children in general is a struggle. So we'll child child struggle. Struggle. I think they spell struggle. Yeah, I was close. Thank you, dear. So child struggle. You can argue it's a birth or how you want it. Boy, is that that's the correction she gets. And of course, she also will be subservient to her husband. Sub. I'll put, I can't spell servient, so I'll put sub. Uh, to her husband. And then, uh, mind you, her husband returns to dirt. So she is lower than dirt. That's where she stands. <laughs> She's just lower than dirt. <laughs> I, I'm using. I'm doing tongue in cheek, of course. Make you supposed to make you laugh. What is that? She's subservient to the dirt guy. Okay. She's now lower than dirt. Now, in the case of, the, the, in, in, oh, yeah, Lori said her diamond is the rough. <laughs> some, some, some comeback there. Anyway, the point is that uh, this solution is, is is odd. If uh, if I was to look at this, say, okay, the child struggling thing. What does that have to do with her changing loyalties from our God to the snake? Children won't be loyal to you either. <laughs> Isn't it great? <laughs> so this is what I like Furian's point. It totally could be legit. Is that she's not loyal to God. Therefore, your children are not loyal to you. <laughs> We've heard this story before. It's called David and Uriah. Remember what happened there? Yeah, I hope you remember that story. What happened to David's sons? Started hacking each other to bits. Yeah, not loyal. And the fact matter, Samuel's son. There are a lot of sons that aren't loyal to their fathers. The point is that, or their 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 parents. The child struggles, whether it's birthing right or whatever else. They're not loyal to Eve. She wasn't loyal to anybody else. Uh, what was that? Hello, Lorianna's question. Oh, oh, she, he, Lauren's asking if, if Eve got this specific correction because she was the first one to, who was convinced to eat it. it. It could be. I don't know as far as why this, I mean, children aren't necessarily loyal to their fathers either. I mean, they, the children are disloyal to both in many ways. I'm sorry, hold on, say it again one more time. Motherhood is the closest you get to being the glimpse of what it's like to God. Okay, so where that motherhood or, or parenthood Motherhood is the closest example a person has 
to being like or, or a, a, a glimpse of understanding how God works, how God thinks. It totally could be. And it could be the reason why God did it. But anyway, so for another reason, that if you weren't loyal to God, therefore, your children aren't loyal to you. You'll struggle with them. And you'll be beneath your husband. Makes sense? That's fair. It's a fair action. Because otherwise, it seems like a strange you know, correction, at least in my worldview, a strange correction. But in this case, how many of us as parents know full well our children are not necessarily loyal to our upbringing? Okay, just saying. <laughs> a lot of us are like, yeah, yeah, oops, yeah, I screwed that one up as a parent. Yeah, a uh, uh, child, I wish they wouldn't make that choice. We get it. All right, that's how life works. We're our rebellious nature. And of course, we have an, the, the, the next example we have, which I'll have time to conclude that with it. Yeah, it's just a few more minutes. With, with this story is, of course, Eve gets her two children. Abel, which means worthless or breath or empty, and Cain. Empty means it's empty, so it's a wasted, wasted, wasted life. Now, of these two children, Abel and Cain, we, we think, oh, well, Abel was loyal. It could have been. Actually, we don't know. We don't have much story regarding Abel. We don't know his personal childhood life, whether he would, whether he would pound on Cain as the they their brothers tend to fight, fight each other, whether he would fight each other or, or do crazy things or who knows. We have no, no knowledge about their, their, their childhood. We have no, no information. All we know is that uh, this storyline that comes from Eve, Cain, which is one we have all the information about regarding these two brothers, he's one who was, what we say, Loyal to God or not? We would say not. God specifically said, Cain, don't do that because sin is at your door. And Cain said, Oh, yeah, God, I'm so, I was so wrong. Thank you. I repent. Forgive me. I was so, I shouldn't do that. I want to be loyal to you. That's exactly what he said, right? Or he said, yeah, Hey, Abel. <laughs> You got a minute? <laughs> Let's look over here. This I want to show you. Um, it did the other way around, right? It was the able, you know, I'm going to whack you. So Cain, obviously, no longer was, no, was not going to be loyal to uh, the God either. So the point is that these two lines, Abel, of course, dies. Holy place with Seth, which comes later, means replacement. Um, and of course, that's why we get you know whatever else through. So we end up having this loyalty, these split loyalties that come from Adam and Eve. This whole storyline was they started out with their shifting of their relationship with God, of being, you are my God, you're my creator, to I believe the snake, I'll trust you, you're the one I, I'm, I'm gonna follow. Well, those two choices. And Moses says, the two choices before you, choose life, choose death. I'd rather you choose life, but you can choose death if you so choose. Okay, Eve, Adam, Cain, Abel, everybody else that matters ever lived ever since. Here's your choice, life and death. I'd rather you choose life, but death's still your choice as well. You can choose that route. We're not a Calvinist type of philosophy here. So in this instance, we have this storyline is literally, in my worldview, kind of a example of God making this test with this, with this tree he put there. He could have easily never put the tree to start with. God could have totally, I mean, he could have, you know, whatever herbicide thing, you know, kill a tree. He could do whatever he wanted, put a bug on it, eat it. He left it there to make this test happen, to find out where your loyalties lie. That with God on this side, staying with trusting, believing, allegiance to, or are they flexible enough you would shift bits, parts, or most your loyalty to the 
snake side, the unloyal side, the untrusted side, the part that is, has bits and parts of truth, actually lots of truth, surrounded with the overall lie in between it. In this case, it was clear that they chose that, hence the corrections followed. That kind of makes sense to it, in my, at least my worldview, it makes sense. And that Adam does obviously return to dust, as we all do, return to dust, our lives do become struggles, which they are. Eve, yeah, your children, well, not just her, because obviously a dad's involved in raising, rearing children too. Children are not necessarily followers of their parents. You sometimes have a split. They have lots of kids, maybe one kid, whatever. They have the choice. They, they totter back and forth, or they will sometimes deviate in extreme behaviors as far as loyalty to the instructions of the parents or not. Now, this loyalty to parents is sometimes good and sometimes bad. If your parent is evil, oh, sorry, is it a, a Pierre has a question. Go ahead, Pierre Ann. It's not really a question, but in the scripture of um, chapter 4, verse 10, when it said, and God, um, the voice of the brother's blood, it should be translated bloods because it was like all the generations of Abel were not going to be actualized. And so, That's an interesting concept. So um, it, it, it's hard to say because the, the the word is plural, but because we have we have blood that comes out of us at different times. Cut yourself, more blood comes out. And so much like how the Hebrew word Elohim implies God's plural, but it's really not isn't actually supposed to apply that way. It's debatable whether or not the word blood is supposed to be plural there or singular. How it's meant, it's we don't know. Uh, same thing with with panim, the face. I've seen the face of God, Panim. Well, uh, Panim is plural faces. Does that mean you saw many gods? No, it's just how the Hebrew language works. So I don't know. I've heard that before, that it implied all the following generations because the same principle, I mean, I, I apply it myself, actually, the same idea with the first one of Egypt. All their generations were dead too. And so that's, that's what God, in my worldview, said, hey, biblical, biblical view, um, not just you, Israelites came out of Egypt, get your firstborn sons, but every subsequent generation is also firstborn sons in place of the Egyptian firstborn sons. So it, it could go either way, and I can't say which is right or wrong. I don't know, but it's it. Both are legitimate arguments. Whether it's it's Abel's fault, all of his descendants, so it's supposed, it's supposed to be bloods plural, or it means they'll just Abel has lots of blood in him. I I don't know. It's I can't say, but I have I've heard that before that it implies all of his fellow generations, which would make sense if I, because I, I use the same argument with Egypt and their firstborn, but I just don't know for certain whether it's supposed to be that way in this case or not. Because for the most part, blood all the way across in the text is a plural form. There are a few exceptions, but the first one is plural form everywhere. Well, I think because um, it says it's crying, it was like he could hear all of the future generations. That could be. It, 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 it's, it's a spiritual uh, discussion. It totally could be. I don't know. Right. I don't know. It could be. It could be. It's an interesting idea, though. Um, yeah, interesting idea. I totally lost what I thought. What was I thought? Where was, where was heading with this? Oh, right. Sorry. That's where I was going for it. Okay. So I'm going to have to end real quick on this because I'm running out of time. Actually, I'm already out of time, but don't tell anybody. Yeah. yeah my, my, my wife's not going where you're, you're captive audience. I locked the doors. <laughs> In this story, we have this applied here this way. 
And these corrections God gave obviously apply to Adam, apply to Eve, apply to all of us, Cain, the whole works. Now you'll note that, of course, Cain gets his own unique relationship with God. We're not going to go that today. I don't have time for it. Regarding um, the correction God gives to him, and that he obviously is a vagabond. You know, go out. You don't. You have to work really hard. You get thorns to food. All kind of good stuff he gives to Cain. Those great, wonderful, you know, comments. Um, anyway, so Cain gets these difficult struggles, and Cain, of course, you know, obviously doesn't die. So, well, this seems strange. Why isn't Cain killed for the murder of Abel? Because isn't you know through blood, you know, you know, somebody kills somebody, you have to kill the person. That that's how the laws are supposed to work in the Torah. Well, God gave forgiveness because, as we know from all of our prophets, from Jonah, from anybody else, God really, really likes to forgive people. He doesn't want to have punishment. That's not his goal. He hates that part. That's pretty obvious. His First thing about forgiveness, um, I think so, actually. Well, one could argue he forgave Adam and Eve in the form he didn't kill them immediately. But that Laureate's asking, it's the first, is this the first example of God forgiving someone? That's our forgiveness for murder. I, it is first thing for forgiveness for murder, that's true. But as far as first thing about forgiveness in general, I'm not sure one could argue whether or not Adam and Eve deserved death and they didn't work killed. I, I, I don't know. You could argue what is and is. They didn't kill anybody, that's true. They just disobeyed God. So one could argue that Cain's example is the real first like major example of forgiveness. That's probably that's a fair that's a fair point you bring out. So God's first example of opportunity to kill somebody, he doesn't, he forgives them. Uh, forgives is a loose term. There's still punishments, but not the same kind that would normally give to for, for murderers. Anyway, so that's a good example. God doesn't like the whole process of killing. And we think, well, it didn't he make the flood? Yes, he did, but he also regretted the whole process. We'll discuss that you know later. Actually, Chef does next week with Noah. Um, this whole process of forgiveness is part, but the nature of we have our choices, we have our consequences that follow, and our choices are all based on, in this Adam and Eve, our choosing between do I follow God, do I follow the snake? Where is my allegiance? What is true? What do I believe? That applies to all of us. What do we believe? What's our allegiance? What is true? In this case, it wasn't great. The legion was poor. Um, we have these problems that, that show up as far as how they how, how, how they applied it. So in this instance, I read it here. As this, I will end with this basic question. I'm, I'm gonna, I was going to go through Haftor too um, because there's a lot of good scriptures in there regarding this topic too. Um, in particular, take ten minutes to do it. All right, let's let's do it real quick. I won't, won't take too much time because you guys were there for a while. Let's go to I, Haftar real quick. This is uh, in Isaiah 40, uh, 42. Where is it? There it is, 42. A few verses here I want to talk about this because it, it's relevant to this topic. Uh, in the case here, uh, he starts out Isaiah 42, the first, the first, from verse 5 to 9, for the most part. It, it's broken up in different sections. 5 to 9 and 42, it, that, that portion, a lot, of, a lot of things highlight a basic theme is that essentially, our job is to be a light or a, a good example to the people around us. Well, in the case of Adam and Eve, they were supposed to be a good example to all of us who followed sense, you know, all these generations later, these thousands of years go by. This would be good examples. And mind you, they are examples, and they're good examples of what not to do. <laughs> but those are examples of, in this case, as Isaiah points out, Good examples of light to be a light to be a light to God, a light, a light for God to the nations around you. It points out, um, I've verse uh, see, well, verse five. Uh, this is the Lord who made heavens and earth, stretched them out, 
who has spread forth the earth, which comes, who gives breath to people on it, the spirit of those who walk in it. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will hold your hand. I will keep you, give you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the nations. So what was the function when God created? What was his objective? Not just to say, yes, God, yes, I trust God versus I trust the snake. It's also to be a good example. What's the responsibility of a parent to be a good example to their children, isn't it? Well, the same principle. Be a good example. Be a light to your children, Cain and Abel. Be a light to be a good example of them. Not the one that said, I'll do my own thing. I'll follow my own way, but rather follow what God's way is. That was the idea. All of Israel in righteousness, verse 6, you're supposed to be the good light, the example to all the nations. Adam and Eve, the example to all the nations. Um, see, I, it's a, this, of course, I'm, I'm the Lord. Verse 8, uh, it's my glory. I will not give to another snake. I'm not going to give to somebody else. The snake doesn't get my glory. It belongs to me. My praise doesn't go to graven images like the snake or modern day as materialism, science, how Jeff worded it. Uh, it doesn't apply. It belongs to me, God alone. Uh, the form of things that pass, I declare, do things I declare, for they spring forth. I'll even tell you them. So I'll tell you what the future is. The point of being that God's saying, hey, I am the actual God that you're supposed to be. I already erased it. But supposed to, you're supposed to have your loyalty, your trust. Because I'm the, it's only me. The snake that was over here does not belong to you to worship. That's just a snake. He's a liar. God, who you thought was a liar, isn't well, I mean, Adam, who was over here, God, thought was there, is not the actual liar. He's the one who told you the truth. He's supposed to represent and be that light. And since God created light and God is a form of light, if we're supposed to be light, what are we supposed to be? A form of God in his obedience, not like to worship it, but we're created in his image to be that example. Adam and Eve did not succeed at that, hence their children, hence me, <laughs> all the way down for all the durations for thousands of years. We have not succeeded in being a true light other than, of course, Messiah himself. And okay, one could argue Moses is really, really darn close. Actually, they're all good lights. It's just different ways. It's different examples. Ahavtor, of course, jumped down to verse, uh, was it 23? Is that right, right verse? Oh, no, 17. Ah, there it is. Uh, so in verse uh, 14, it says, I've held my peace for a long time. I've been still to myself. Now I'll cry like a wind in labor. I'll play, I will pant and gasp at once. Um, I will lay waste the mountains and hills. I'll dry up the vegetation. I'll make the rivers, coastlands, drive the roots, uh, sorry, the pools. I'll bring the blind by the way they did not know, lead them in the paths they did not know. I'll make the darkness before them and crooked places straight. These things I will do for them and not forsake them. They shall, they shall, sorry, they shall be turned back and they shall be greatly ashamed who trust in carved images, who see the molded images. You are our gods. Now I'm using this example as a citation for, for, for the example we have. I'm going to redraw this up here because I already erased it earlier. Snake and God on these two sides. I erased it earlier, just redrawing them again so I can point to them. I like pointing to things. So in this case, the snake which became the God Adam and Eve saying, snake, I trust and believe. Now, Adam and Eve knew full well, so he didn't create them. But when you transferred your allegiance to, you transferred your trust to, transferred your belief to, transferred everything you have and, 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 and truth to, eventually, that's what you stand on. So eventually, you'll stand on that snake. 
or science or whatever you want to call it in modern day vernacular. You said that if you're standing on it as you trust and believe in this one thing, it is your God, you might as well say, God, snake slash God, you created me. You are the one I trust. You're the one who upholds me, who I stand on as what is foundationally strong. The carved image, the idea of a snake or the idol in front of you, same principle, same idea. It's applied the same way. We may not have physical statues that we worship about down to now with all eyes and ears and nose and mouths, but the principles are the same. We took what was God's and gave it to what does not God's and have all these consequences that Adam and Eve go through, all the states go through because of it. And, it, and, and Isaiah pointed out, hey, you were meant to be the one that had the light with Adam and Eve, the good example, example of God to your children, to the nations around you, but you didn't, you weren't, you chose not to. And as a result, all those children become, yeah, you trust the images, you say to the bold image, you are our gods. Yep, they're your kids, Adam and Eve. They're us. The things we made as, as God aren't actually God. Like we made our own snake, or we made a snake, or we chose a snake as a God. We'll believe it and not believe the God himself. This has obviously long-term consequences that Adam and Eve did. We obviously this beyond the whole um, you know, you know, death entering the world, yada, yada, that kind of thing too. But the idea is that we transfer our loyalties to something. And God, in verse uh, 10 of 43, our Hathor portion, he points out that you are witnesses, Lord, my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me, believe God. Mind you, Adam saw God too. So did Eve. Well, we think so did Eve. She doesn't record it. We assume she saw him too. Um, and they're supposed to believe that they, they witnessed, they saw him directly. He says that you may know and believe me, and I said that I am He before me. There's no no God formed that knows me ever after me. That it's only me. No snake, no idol, no carved image, no personal opinion on all my loyalties to this person. Six, I trust the science perspective or whatever I want to trust. Money, I don't care what it is. There's nothing but God to trust. The consequences are are, are unfortunate, but that's what happened. That's where we got our relationship with God. It got all messed up. Because of these stories we're, we're learning about. And I argue, God knew full well ahead of time this how it could totally end up because he's the one who put the tree there. He knew, he knew ahead of time. He knows what we are. That's how we're made, what we're inclined to do. He chose a tree, he put it there, he said, don't eat it. He could have never put it there to begin with, but he didn't. He chose to put it there because he wanted it there. And as a result, we got today. Make sense? So our relationship with God is really important. The trust we have is really important. The light we're supposed to be, the example we're supposed to be is really important. Our, our, our belief in him and as for anything else is really important. That is the fundamental belief that we have. That's our trust. Do we have faith there or not? That's what it boils down to. Which choice do you make? As Moses said, here are the choices. Choose life or death. I would rather you choose life, but you can choose death. Any questions or comments regarding our tour portion we covered today, our Hoth tour portion, or any, any part of this discussion? It's a fun topic. There's lots of stuff in the tour portion, in particular with, with um, uh, more examples. I didn't get to all of it. That's okay. Uh, in the case of a better sheet, but um, yeah, we have so much time. We have, any uh, questions, here. opinions, thoughts? Yeah, I have a, a question about uh, Satan. It says Go in ahead. scripture that he was very subtle and cunning. So, yep. uh, as a spirit being, did he have the, uh, was he able to change himself into a different form 
because Christ, uh, God said after he had deceived Eve, he would crawl on his belly. Uh, so was he standing upright at the time that he stood before Adam and Eve? That is a question I couldn't possibly answer. I wouldn't know. Uh, yeah, yeah, well, let's ask God now. When God talks about the Revelation story, when discusses this, this character that we apply as Satan, he uses it in the form of like a dragon or something like that type of example. Um, and it apply, implies that uh, he has this, this, this continuing, either, either it manifests itself that way, or that's how God sees him. Because mind you, God sees men as trees. And look, I bleed and trees don't, at least I bleed blood. Um, but the point is that he sees things a little differently than what you and I would see. I see a guy walk across the street and God says, yeah, there's a thorn bush, walk across the street. So we, we see things different than what God sees. So I can't say for certain whether Satan now is manifest or has this, this form of, that, he could, that he's supposed to be like a, a, a snake type form or, or what the deal is. He obviously can show up as a child of light as it's recorded. So he can change his appearance to man. But I, I can't say what, what he actually looks like. Uh, Pamela, your hand is up. Go ahead and unmute yourself. Okay, this is how do you teach others like children about spiritual things since God is spirit and you gave us a, a code of behavior uh, and the children will say, why? So how do you teach them about spiritual things that they cannot test? So that's an interesting question. So and it comes up periodically. So the case of spiritual issues versus physical ones, when deal, the way I teach my kids, it's everything spiritual has to have a physical example. Else it doesn't, it goes, it goes in, it doesn't even go in one area. It just, it just kind of bounces off and runs away. So, <laughs> so the idea is that if I can't give a physical example that explains in not to say perfect, but great detail, the spiritual concept, it's a wasted effort. So the case, I'll give the examples regarding um, in this story, with the story I just gave, for example, Adam and Eve, my kids, my youngest ones, we have a little harder time. All those older ones are fully aware. They get what this looks like. I mean, they see it in everyday examples, everyday life. These people choosing one versus the, yeah, I get it. You've, you've, you've changed your loyalty from what is real versus what is fake. Yeah, it, yeah it's child-rearing. Yeah. So Lorianne points out the choice being good and bad is child-rearing. It's, it's a basic fundamental. So every parent's function is to be that light example of Adam and Eve, a better word, version they can if, if possible, um, is, that, is that those child-rearing examples, as you maintain a child, you, wait, 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 so for example, if I, my child does something wrong, whatever it is, does something wrong, okay, and there's a punishment required, just applying a punishment is wasted effort. Apply punishment with the explanation, okay, this is why it's wrong. This is what it leads to. Here are examples of people older than you and younger than you that have these same problems of where they, why they, where they end up and how this works. To go through the thought process, even the child may be really, really young, but that explanation process is kind of the respect that God gives to us. And they said, don't do this, don't do that. A lot of times, not every time, he gave examples as to why. For example, don't marry multiple wives. Why? Because they didn't make it that way. And on to the example, don't marry multiple sisters. Why? We'll find out. Look at it. Look what happened to Jacob. Oh, oops. Yeah, good, good point. I won't do that. Right. He gave their, their physical examples in our Bibles on spiritual principles that we're supposed to learn and follow. He gave it to us to study and to teach our children. So every, every spiritual concept 
has to have a physical example for young children in particular, but even older ones, even grown adults that matter, that reiterates or shows a good citation of why that principle applies. Oh, how do I teach faith? Laurie puts an example. How do you teach faith? Okay, so faith in general. So faith, yeah, if I can't touch faith, I can't touch, well, he's just, yes, for spirit, God's spirit, but faith is also a, a, a concept. So spirit's a concept. Faith is a concept. It's an idea. In other words, in other words you can say it's as an idea. So the case of faith or spirit or God or trusting and that kind of thing. Well, to me, because faith, there are, are variations, but the dominant player of faith means if I have faith, it means I am trusting something. I have trust in something or someone or some application. It's, it's, the, it's the noun form of that verb trust. I, okay, child, do you trust me? Do you trust this? What do you trust? You sit on a chair. Chair doesn't fall. Why didn't you believe the chair would fall? Well, never fell before. It doesn't collapse under my own weight. That may be, but why would yesterday's not collapsing be any relevant to today's not collapsing? Might collapse tomorrow. How do you know? You don't know. Well, you're trusting because based on your experiences, trust applies this chair has not collapsed the past, or in the example, the roof is not caved in every time I open the door. Things that, that, that don't happen regularly. You say, well, because the pattern is consistent. Therefore, I'm going to assume it maintains a consistent pattern. In the case of a parent, well, if a parent lives a consistent lifestyle, the child should trust the parent's lifestyle to remain consistent. Parent or God maintains a consistent way of living. The child can say, okay, well, God doesn't change it. Therefore, it's always the same. Even the child may vary, deviate, that kind of thing. The, the lifestyle doesn't change. It, 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 it's, it, is a, it is a physical example of a spiritual concept. So if I have a child understands that this something never changes, it's always the same, I can then trust the thing that never changes. Rocks are still rocks. Grass is still grass. It doesn't change its form. I can trust what it is. So trust in God, God doesn't change. If it hasn't changed the past, doesn't change today or the future, I can trust the future. It won't continue to change. So these principles of faith, trust, or their, their spiritual concepts are done or taught in the form of child rearing of consistency, of always being what it is, at least in the form of faith or trust in this, in this case. So if God gave us instructions to teach our children to live by, as long as we maintain that way of light, that light example, theoretically, according to God's will, the children always has, has, has their choice. They, always, they grow up, they choose to live or die. That's their choice. But if you stay constant, they have an always example, always a good example of what choosing life is. What does it look like? What example does it give them? Because you're much older. You'll say, yeah, I did that when I was your age. And this is what happened wrong. This is why I didn't don't do it anymore. That's why I don't advocate doing it anymore because of all these consequences. Or I didn't do it. That is because your great aunt so-and-so, she did that. And this is what happened. And yet the same, you give the examples of why these bad things are consequences. They're great consequences to use. We use examples of people making bad choices. Hence, the Bible has full of them. They're great examples to use. But that consistency is how we teach, by example, the spiritual concepts God is trying to instruct to us to live by. That's how our children learn from us, through our example as a parent. We have uh, Alex here. Go ahead, Alex. Uh, Daniel, remember the main, main difference between us and the animals is the muscle strength. <laughs> we... <laughs> we're we're, short, we're way down the list, pound for pound, eyes, claws, jaw strength, sharpness of teeth, 
kicking can i go on you know a lamb's got stronger <laughs> legs than we do but uh, we can think and you know that that seventh uh, sabbath is a, it's a thinking day don't chase your pleasure stop yeah breathe and it's work for the it jewish is. people because they're off the charts in that department uh percentage wise yep. so uh thank you god for the sabbath amen yeah, the, 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 those differences are, 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 are important. And yet those animals who are stronger than us, faster than us, meaner than us, tougher than us, they still submit to us because we outthink them. <laughs> We're smarter than they are, I hope. <laughs> Anyhow, and, uh, any have, comments or questions? Yep, we have Sam here. Um, uh, uh, my question comes from, um, I believe, verse uh, 11, Genesis chapter 1. And uh, yeah. it's of recent that, you know, when I was uh, reading it, then I saw it again. So God says in verse 11 here, Then God said, let the earth sprout vegetation plant yielding seeds and fruit trees yep. on the earth bearing fruit after their kind with seed in them. And it was so. So where the seedless apple, seedless <laughs> <laughs> Where they you come know, from? <laughs> comes from. Yeah. So. Yeah. We, we make those. <laughs> so the seedless raisin, the seedless apples, yeah. uh, the seedless orange, yeah. the seedless oranges, that's, that's hybridation. So, so we said, okay, I have this apple tree or have these grapes. Well, these grapes have big seeds. These grapes have little seeds. I like the little seeds. And so they, they grew the little seeds, what grapes? They, they found, this one branch over time, and they have these, these examples, they, they, they cross plots. They have, I have these, this, I'm just using the grape as an example, because Jeff knows this like a gazillion times better than I do. He studies this stuff. Um, it comes to grapes. So the grapes like pollinate, they have pollen that goes back and forth. From one variety of grape to the variety, because sometimes they cross pollinate if they're, if they're really close. I don't know how that process works. I'm not really smart in that, that realm. But the point is that the seedless grape is an example of, it's a fruit, but it has, it has those seeds. Because human beings have found out, well, if I cross this grape species with that grape species, I get into the grape species, and, and the seeds turned out weren't viable. I mean, they, they could, if you took the seed out and plant the ground, it didn't produce an actual, like, growing, functional vine. So, hey, I'm onto something. And say, so, well, if I keep making these seeds and make non functional seeds out of them, make these grapes, the seed, the grapes, the seeds become of no, of no value. The grape's still there, but the seed is no value. Well, over time of hybridization, try to say, well, I want a tinier seed. Well, this grape has a little seed. This has a big seed. If I cross-pollinate them, I get an average-sized seed. However, these little seeds, if I cross-pollinate more little tiny varieties of little seeds, they get littler and littler and littler and littler. And look, one day, they're gone. Hey, I found the seedless grape. <laughs> the Thompson seedless grapes, all the various seedless grapes. And from that point forward, instead of growing great new vines by seed, they take the grape and they get cuttings. They hack off little branches and twigs and they spout new ones and sell it to you. Here's new ones, sell it to you. Here's new ones out of the same, of the same bushes. And of course, those bushes grow, they cut cuttings out of there. That's the whole seedless process. That's men doing that because we like to take a grape and eat it whole with no crunchy seed. It's great, isn't it? So we all buy table grapes. <laughs> uh, Pamela, your hand is up. They're from branches called slips um, or nesters, and uh, they're just like you say, cutting. Yeah, it's how it's how they do. So um, they don't need a seed. Exactly, they don't need seeds. They don't need a seed. Right, the cuttings do it. The cuttings how we spread it, how we grow it, how we process it. Been that way for a, a while now. 
they do olives that way too. The if you take an olive seed, just plant the ground, it doesn't actually produce the same kind of tree it came from because it's it's been propagated through, through cuttings only. As far as I as far as I know, there may be some variations, but that's the dominant, the most common black olive. I think does that. You've been listening to a discussion at Hallel Fellowship. If you would like to hear more discussions or if you have any questions, visit the website at hallel.info. That's H-A-L-L-E-L dot I-N-F-O. Hallel.info. Hallel.info.